Today we just have a little bit of bell. Sometimes a little bit is enough. Today our episode is called The Shadow Self. I'm not sure what TV show it was. Some old TV show had as their catch line, The Shadow Knows. I don't remember which one that was. How are you today? I have seen that words before, The Shadow Knows. Uh, that was, uh, I guess, the first movie on the Lethal Weapon. Was it 1998? Maybe even before that. But um, maybe it was set somewhere else. No, no. Anyway, The Shadow Knows. Who knows? Nobody knows. Shadow Knows. The Shadow Knows. Yeah. Well, you know... Uh, the true self. Yes, well, you know, the term, I believe, was kind of coined by Carl Jung, who was a Swiss uh, psychologist who built on the, wor the works of Sigmund Freud. And Freud talked about id, ego, superego, in his book, The Interpretation of Dreams, which was published in 1899. So Jung came just a little bit after that. And uh, so we're talking about the turn of the century out of the 19th into the you know 20th century. But the idea of the shadow for Jung was corresponding to the mask that we wear to face the world and he's the persona and then the unrecognized or unaccepted part of ourself as the shadow so that just gives our subscribers well, uh, yeah that's an beautiful phase very curious do you know how to Which, decipher this or maybe it is a reference to anything else uh well, that was his metaphor for talking about problems that people have, because as a person who explored the psyche, P-S-Y-C-H-E, he was interested in helping people find wholeness. And he believed that the Mandela pattern, circular patterns and labyrinths and spirals that appeared in art, and symbols all over the world was a universal desire for wholeness. But we had parts like the bright self, the dark self, Jekyll and Hyde. I don't even know if I'm answering your question, but I'm kind of roaming around the area. But I already have next one. I mean, think, I'm thinking, what does what does the shadow know? Wow. I was not afraid, and now <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a poem by T. S. Eliot called "The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock," and I'm just going to read two two three little stanzas. The narrator invites the reader to go on a little journey, and he kind of talks about darkness and light and evening and shadows. So maybe it'll sort of set the mood for this episode. Let us go then, you and I, when evening is spread out against the sky like a patient etherized upon a table. 
Let us go through certain half-deserted streets, the muttering retreats of restless nights in one-night cheap hotels and sawdust restaurants with oyster shells, streets that follow like a tedious argument of insidious intent to lead you to an overwhelming question. Oh, do not ask, what is it? Let us go and make our visit. In the room, the women come and go, oh, talking of my client. The yellow fog that rubs its back upon the window panes, the yellow smoke that rubs its muzzle on the window panes, licked its tongue into the corners of the evening, lingered upon the pools that stand in drains, let fall upon its back the soot that falls from chimneys, slipped by the terrace, made a sudden leap, and seeing that it was a soft October night, curled once about the house and fell asleep. Indeed, there will be time for the yellow smoke that slides along the street, rubbing its back upon the window panes. There will be time, there will be time to prepare a face to meet the faces that you meet. There will be time to murder and to create. So what are your feelings about this? I love this poem. I feel <laughs> lonely and excited. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I like it because, you know, there is time to prepare a face to meet the faces that you meet. So when we go out to our jobs or go out to meet people, we generally look in the mirror. I look in the mirror and think like, I look great. Or I think like, I need more lipstick. Or I think I'm gonna wear this necklace. So I choose something that will purposely say something about me when I go out to work or to meet people for a birthday party. But that's a face, it's kind of a false front because I'm really not that happy. And that necklace is a great necklace, but that necklace makes me feel sad because the memories associated with the necklace. So I'm, when I think about going out to, or preparing a face, I know that when my mother was, when, when she was still alive, she would go upstairs and she would say, oh, I have to go put on my face. Like that was an expression, I guess, in the 60s and in the 70s, I have to go put on my face, which meant a woman was going to go put on her makeup. Or if you were at a, a dinner table, women would say, oh, I have to go powder my face. So they would get up and go kind of refresh their makeup. But, but men, do men have a false face? Like you guys don't wear makeup, do you? Well, I mean, some guys do, but do you wear makeup? That makes me think of being <laughs> photogenic because sometimes you mentioned mirror that you look the mirror, you think, oh, I look great. But then you make a picture of yourself, you look at the picture, and um, that's not what I look like. I mean, how does that happen? Because sometimes yeah, photogenic people look different in real life, let alone pictures. And um, yes, yes. face, uh, I mean, uh, not face, uh, what's that called? The camouflage women put in their faces, what's that called? It's not cosmetics. It's makeup. No, yeah. you put on, a, you put on a foundation and then you put on powder, then you put on blush, then you put on eyeliner and eyeshadow and mascara. Yeah, and that, that, that's what makes 
women pathogenic. Um, we men, we don't use that. So, is that a good thing? Well, there's a lot of product guys who want to not have wrinkles and they, they buy expensive skin creams or they get their eyebrows waxed so that they'll have beautiful eyebrows. And I guess there's a term, it's called metrosexual guys that are like kind of really concerned about their appearance. And they go to a certain barber, they go get a face massage and they use certain kind of expensive creams and they like they're they're very pretty. They have their skin is very pretty, and they spend time on their face. But this is you know still related to the idea of what we would think we would look like to society. And as we look in the mirror, well, I know that the word photogenic to me means naturally beautiful. So there are some women that are just naturally beautiful, and also men. Like they have dark eyelashes, and they have a very pretty shaped eye, and they just have a naturally beautiful smile. So to me, the word photogenic would be someone who is just naturally beautiful. And a person who uses makeup is trying to kind of approximate that ideal of beauty. So, you know, I have green eyes, and if I, if I use mascara, then my eyelashes are darker. And I used to wear contact lenses, so like I'm putting contact lenses on, and then I'm putting mascara on, and then I have to have amazing sunglasses. I mean, it is exhausting. Only thing you guys have to do is wash your face, splash on some cologne, and buy expensive sunglasses and have a good watch. It's very easy being a man. Says who? Hey, you know what the the number one, the most important factor in photography, it's light and also the shadow, yes. which is the subject of today's episode. Light and shadow, both, I think, because yes. I uh, used to photograph things when I was a child and before the digital photography. It's uh, yeah, and uh, even now you have to have light in order to have a good picture, and also a shadow. You ever tried to picture your own shadow? Well, I do, because I like to take photographs, too, and it, I like to use the natural light. If I stand and it's late afternoon and the sun is behind me and I'm taking a picture of the lake and there's like concrete in front of me, if I'm standing in a parking lot, my shadow will appear in front of me like a sundial. So I have a couple of pictures like, like that. Also, on our cover shot, you will see a statue of St. Francis of Assisi, and I have it. It is a piece of wood carved. It's a statue carved into a single block of wood. And I have it turned to the side so we just see the So the word silhouette is the outline of the shape. So it's kind of a, kind of a, a shadow. And some people like their profile. So a profile would be what you look like from the side. Like, how do you think you look from the side? Profile. Like in the shadow, or like in the prison pictures, is that what you mean? <laughs> well, usually in... <laughs> I have few. <laughs> yeah. No, no, usually the wanted posters, like it's face, it's face on, then it's a side face too, so... But you think that your prison pictures look pretty, pretty good? <laughs> Absolutely. I love that, uh, that, uh, that, that the wooden stuff, the... Uh, 
make you keep in front of you when they make pictures. Apparently, it's your name or I don't know the date, whatever it is, but I like my prison pictures. <laughs> no, there's some really, really great uh, people may have seen these. There's some famous uh, like Frank Sinatra and also uh, Robert De Niro and just Brando and and uh, all all these various people who have who've been arrested. It might be for drunk driving. It might be for, I don't know. I don't specifically want to go all, through all the details, but these these pictures, you know, the person is not very very be very beautiful. And also women, you know, like there's pictures of Bonnie and Clyde. You know, the famous you know, robbers that that were you know, out of Dallas, Texas, but. You know, as as we talk about the shadow, I I also think about um, evening time. Like in the poem by T. S. Eliot, he talks about let's go down these deserted streets. I'm th he's talking about spending nights, like one night stands in in hotels and being in a room where women are talking and not quite feeling like he fits in. And and then he says. You know, do, you know, he has to prepare a face to meet the faces that he meets. And then uh, later in the poem, he says, you know, do I dare eat a peach? You know, should I should I part my hair differently? Like we have all these questions about our looks and about ourselves. Like, am I attractive? Or like, will people like me? Like, will I get this new job? Or like, will this person like me if you're going out on a date or if you're doing stuff like that. We have a lot of deep-seated worries. Have you ever heard of speed dating? Uh, it's probably very much like a speed chess, but uh, speed chess implies uh, three minutes to a player. Uh, yeah, yeah. In total, yeah, it would like... make six minutes, but I'm not sure if I'd be able to date that fast. Yeah, you have to date fast. So what it is, what it, is it says, I heard about this about... Uh, I wouldn't about... last three minutes, honestly. Well, wait a second. Just remember, explain how you do it. You you purposely sign up for the signs. This is not for you. I mean, it would be for you. I I know that in Manhattan, it's a busy place. You know, people are working. They don't have time to date. But somehow you have to find somebody to go out with. You don't have time to court people. You don't have time to find people. You know, there's a lot of online services now. But I'm thinking about like 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago. They had these speed dating things where you like you sign up and you like you sign up through this service and you pay for this service and you say, okay, I, I want I want a guy who's tall and I, uh, he should have like blonde or brown hair. He should like sailing. He should drink vodka. You know, uh, he should like to go on ski vacations. And then maybe somebody else would sign up for someone like, oh, I like guys that are like Italian or Hispanic and I like people that like barbecue and I like people who love to go dancing and I hate dogs. So, you know, you would sign up for what you're looking for and what I'm looking for. So let's suppose you go to your speed date. So you've paid this money and they promise you five girls that kind of match your, what you're looking for. And each date is only 10 minutes. So it takes place in a restaurant. So what are you looking for? She should look like Tina Fey. And what else? She should be like books. What else? Do know, from, 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 from what you have just said, I did use that uh, the speed dating is um, uh, 
is about myself that I would rather not acknowledge. The basically the shadow. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like so, I, it, and also you might like the reason it only takes ten minutes is because it, you know, it only takes that long. It takes less than that long to find out if you're attracted to someone. So if you're not even attracted to them, like there's no reason to spend a whole hour buying them dinner and making chit chat and find so these speed dates. They just, you know, bring the girl in and she's like, you're, you're sitting there and you've got a drink or you've got a coffee and the girl sits down, you make a few chit chat, then she gets up and leaves. Then the next one comes and sits and then she gets up and leaves. And then after the session is over, you've had five different dates for t 10 minutes. It's 50 minutes. That means you can do this during your lunchtime and then they give you a little card. And let's say there's girl number one, two, three, four, five. And you think like, I like girl number four and I don't want to date her, but like, I would so like to hook up with her. So you turn in your card to whoever the person is that's running the service and say, I'd like to see number four again. And then you have to pay again to actually get her phone number or something. And then also if number four didn't like you, well, too bad, but like suppose number four liked you and then you're a match. So you get her phone. Remember, she gets your phone. Every go for a walk. You can go to the beach. You can go to a hotel. But like, it only took you fifty-five minutes during your lunchtime to find number four. It's very, very efficient. Very, very modern use of time. Oh, I've I've never tried um, speed dating, and and now I feel sad. <laughs> you, you've lost so much time trying to really date and to be married and to, to try to is find there, people. Is there is there any way? Uh, some kind of an equivalent, online equivalent, that online speed dating I can try? I think, <laughs> I think so. It's, there's this one service, okay, what was it called? Oh, this, this one friend of mine, like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do any kind of anything online. Like, I have to be in person because like, I, I just, I don't, I don't like to see people's pictures. Like, they're not like what they really appear to be. So this friend of mine, she's like, oh gosh, you know, you're like so much fun. You could just like, like find these amazing guys in service. Like what service? She said it's called Hinge, H-I-N-G-E. And then there's like Tumblr and then there's Grinder. There's all these different services. But she says, you should get on Hinge. I go, well, no, I don't like that. I just like to randomly run into people. She says, you would be great on Hinge. You could get lots of people to take you out. I go, yeah, I'm already good. I'm, ha I'm happy. But she was so interested in, in getting me um, on Hinge. So you fill out the price. Well, let me just look at it. So you fill out the profile. Like, are you interested in a serious relationship, a casual relationship, or just very short relationship? Are you interested? You fill out, and like, what age range are you interested in? Like 20 to 30, 30 to 40, 50 to 60, 70, you know, like you click in your age ranges. And I just, I just looked at this. I kept thinking, this is like the most ridiculous thing in the world. And I remember she was telling me, because I, I kind of know her. She's a, she works in the design district. She has a design degree. And she works for a, a high end as a fancy mall. And she's a nice looking woman. And yeah, she loves to dance. She likes to drink. And I ran into her. She goes, oh, my God, this is a guy I met on Hinge. I go, where is he? She, because I, I had this idea of who I think she would go with. It's like this guy who's like super tall. He had pants that came up to his waist. Like the, the pants looked so stupid.
and he didn't like to dance, but he bought her a whole bunch of drinks. And then I go, oh, hi. And then she introduced me and then I wander off to do something. And the next day I go, well, how did it go? She goes, well, he revealed to me that he is a vegan and he doesn't eat any meat and he's into fasting. So I, I go, well, God, well, was that on his profile? And what was wrong with his pants? <laughs> She said he just likes to wear pants with the belt and he wears tight on his waist. <laughs> so I go, well, you got to get rid of that guy. She goes, no kidding. So imagine that. How crazy is that? She she found him on Hinge here in Dallas. He's a retired well, military officer from the Navy. Do, do you think who is uh, like more dangerous, a military officer who has killed others and understands the cost of death or, or somebody who um, understands their own capacity for evil and brings it out voluntarily with its own shadow. Brilliant. Brings more it. dangerous? Well, I don't think military officers are dangerous because my father was a military officer. And my friends growing up, their dads were military officers. But I mean, I just knew them as dads, you know. Who's more dangerous than military? Or what's the other one? Someone who understands their capacity for evil? Yeah, I was, uh, I was thinking about shadow. And the people who bring it under control, like military personnel, uh, are not the people who can exercise it. At free will, like in the drive by, drive by shooting. Right, and, right. Uh, they both well, have shadows, but uh, it suppressed them first. And uh, case and uh, well, you know, it's interesting. It's very, yeah, it's very, very. That is a very interesting question because uh, sometimes the most unexpected people can be the most dangerous. Like, um, like with a military person, you kind of know what he's all about. Like, he's done this, he's traveled this, he's done that, you know, he has uniform. You know, I understand what that's all about. So I would understand that type person. But someone who doesn't give very many clues about what they're all about, those are the ones that are most dangerous. That's what I think about my cat, because it's uh, like the loveliest creature in the world, purring and uh, fluffy and stuff. But when it sees uh, a bird or a mouse, it becomes a monster. And it's that just, confuses yeah, me, because it, it's like polarity. Yeah, but the thing is, no offense to cat and animal lovers up there that, you know, I, I think that we as humans impose upon the animal world a moral structure. The animals and the dogs are not, they just are operating at an instinct. Like, there's a bird, I'm going to go eat it. Like, oh, there's a cat, I'm going to go have sex with the cat. Like, the cat is not thinking that, well, he already has a cat wife at home. Like, they don't, cats don't get married. So they're just operating off the physical. But we as humans, 
yeah, you, you, we as humans, if you have a cat and he sits in your lap while you read or you're watching TV or he crawls up on the bed when you're like taking a nap or you feed him a little food and the cat's so happy and then all of a sudden you go outside and the cat just like attacks a bloody bird. You kept thinking like, what? But the thing is, you know, the cat is always a cat. It's never, it's domesticated, but it's basically wild. And I think that husbands are also just domesticated. Well, mine, mine somehow like shadows, go figure. Say it again, you're like yeah, my, my, mine, mine, No, no, I was going to say, yeah, my, my cat, she loves uh, shadows, likes them. She sucks, uh, and on. plays with them, chases them. Yeah. Whenever she sees a shadow, it starts like a, it yeah. goes out of yeah. your. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I I know uh, someone I know has this like it's a stick with a little wire on it, and the bottom of it is like some feathers, and you can take a whole, like the cat would be on the ground, and you swizzle this little stick with feathers and the cat thinks it's a bird and starts batting it and especially if it's a shadow the cat recognizes the image of a bird and starts batting it and attacking it so yeah i mean i i think that um it's like when you see a shadow of a man that makes you scary right? scared right same with the cat i see the shadow of a bird it wants to attack it you can't help yourself I, 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 I try to hurry out of the parking lot into the place. I, I don't try not to hang out where there's like shadows. No, but I know you could go out if you go out at night and you have to park and you have to walk around the corner or you have to go up some stairs and you see something, you're, you're kind of like, I wonder what's happening there. You know, like I remember going someplace a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, and you have to go up these little stairs and there's like a little side area. And I saw this couple kind of mashed up against the wall. And I kept thinking like, well, I hope he's not, you know, doing anything really bad to her. And he was just kissing her. It's like, but I had this sudden feeling of like, well, I hope, hope I'm not witnessing a crime. But yeah, there's, there's, I think, a natural reaction to stuff that happens in the dark. You know, it's even, I, I remember a few cases when I, with my peripheral vision, I've noticed something like shadow, a shadow silhouette. And that really freaked me out because there was no one when oh, I yes. looked at it more closely. Shadow yes. brings some kind of fear with it. Oh, you know, see that because uh, about an hour ago, I was buzzing around here, getting a couple things organized. And I thought I saw like no one is here there's no one here i have a friend that's going to come over but i'm saying there's no one here and i was fixing the table and putting a fork and a knife there and all of a sudden i thought i saw something out of the side of my like you say peripheral vision but like i don't have a cat there's no ceiling fan on there's no uh windows open so you know if if it was the wind blowing a curtain, I would understand that. Or if the ceiling fan was on and it blew a napkin over, but there was there's no motion in the in the apartment. And I I know that I saw something out of my peripheral vision. It was it was so weird. You've but you've had that experience several times, right? The peripheral vision thing. Mm-hmm.
Maybe I'm just uh, maybe I've, I'm having problems with my eyes, and that's why my peripheral vision plays game play games with me. Uh, but see, but, yeah, uh, you want then, to then again, blame it on the maybe you want to blame it. We want to say that it's something physical. Like I need to go to the eye doctor, but maybe it is like some some little spirit visiting real. you. Mm -hmm. Also, for me, it always happens exactly at the same place. It's exactly at the same place where this stuff is. Like I used to have, I used to have this uh, piece of furniture that had a mirror on it, and it was right next to the door that goes into the bedroom. I took that mirror down and I moved it because that's I have I have seen uh, spirits come out of that mirror and stand at my bed. So I I I. I stopped that. I moved that piece of furniture. But in the kitchen, that same this one wall, on the other side of it is the kitchen. And I have uh, seen glasses like this that just fall off of a shelf and break or like, but there's no one in the kitchen. Like I'm not in there. There's nobody visiting me. And all of a sudden something will fall as if somebody's taking a glass off of a shelf. And, and it happens in this one little corner, and it's seems it's to be seems of, to be a, a ghost. I mean, no need yeah. to be afraid, right? Because uh, I, uh, as I told you just now, I, um, I I've seen similar figures. They are harmful, scary, scary, yes, but uh, not harmful or harmful. No, not harmful. Yeah, Just the scary. one that. The one that came out of the, well, I know that after my last cat, Stuart, passed away, I had the sensation of him being on my bed. And I remember that after I had to have him put down because he had like throat cancer or something, uh, I, I the, the veterinarian gave a couple little brochures to me like, you know, what can you expect after the death of your cat? And it said, you know, you, you may feel like he's still around or you may he may feel like he's up on your bed. Like it was a little little booklet about dealing. It's it's there's actually something called cat pet grief therapy, pet grief therapy. Like you, you have said that you you couldn't believe there is so much therapy out there, but. But, you know, I did have the sensation of the, the cat. And then I was talking to someone else who's a pet person. And he was saying that that was the spirit just telling me goodbye and thank, thanking me for a good life. And it's like, oh, okay. And then after a few nights, it went away. But this mirror, I, I did sense, I did sense a, uh, a coming out of it and standing at my bed. And I just remember sitting up suddenly. And just telling her everything's okay. You can go back. You know it's all good. You, you go back to where you came from. And then I just felt the spirit kind of vanishing. And then I've said I've told you this story before. I was struggling with a bunch of stuff. I don't know. Right before the pandemic, maybe the beginning of the pandemic, I was like sad and depressed and just emotionally exhausted. And I remember kind of half like this half deserted streets, this half waking, half half sleeping. I remember I heard my mother's voice say, just get up and try. And and I, I believe that it was 
the spirit of my mother encouraging me just come on just keep trying like you can do this you know life is hard but just put one foot in front of the other so these were very real experiences but have you ever heard a voice like in a dream or, or have you just seen things mm, maybe once but it wasn't specifically a voice just that i thought i somehow heard it but it wasn't I it wasn't acoustic. Somehow I knew what Sensed I was it. told. Yeah, yeah, but it's exactly. an infused now. Maybe yeah, that's infused. not maybe that my mind playing tricks on me or maybe that shadow or unconscious again, it's mind playing tricks on me, but maybe it's demons. Like yeah, I told you it could be a ghost or could be demons and I don't know if there's diff difference between shadows and demons. Um Well there there are different kinds of spirits. So like, you know, we use the word spirit to refer to liquor and to drinking, but also spirits are non-corporal beings. They are, they are, they don't have bodies. So a spirit, like I think I had mentioned before, St. Ignatius of Loyola was a Jesuit priest who wrote the Ignatian exercises and also, oh, you know, St. John of the Cross and De Clossades, a, a lot of different, er, Hildegard van Bingen, a lot of people have written about discerning spirits. Like, how can you tell if something is a good spirit or a bad spirit? Or if something is from Well, from God? Uh, it's easy because um, malevolent spirits, they, um, they want to inflict pain. On you? They're explicitly evil. Oh, I mean, regardless. They're explicitly evil, so that's what makes them demons. And uh, the regular spirits, I think they don't care. They're just, I don't know, trapped or visiting by ghosts. Entities just uh, exist. Yeah, I've, I've, also, I've also heard that, um, you know, angels are another type of spirit. And you think you see them, but then you didn't see them, but maybe it was an angel. But... Sometimes I think that when you experience a spirit or a shadow being, that there is a message there. So it could be in a dream. You know, I, I think it was Carl Jung that said an, unex, an unexamined dream is like an unopened letter to yourself. So if you have a dream about a deceased ancestor who's giving you a message, or if you have a dream about a little girl that you knew when you were in elementary school, even though you're now a man, there's something about that little girl that has a message for you. Like, have you ever had dreams about the past? Like you were in high school, you were in, you were a young man in the military, you were, you know. Yeah, I did have, past. I did have lots of them. And then I have dreams about the future, but you only remember them when this deja vu thing happens. When you do something and you remember it, you've seen it in your dream. Yeah, that's what yeah. freaks me out even more than because I had lots of dreams about my past and uh, few of them about my relatives, which tried to tell me something. But uh, I think they went relatively unnoticed. Whereas the déjà vu, it happens quite often, and you don't understand if it's again if it's your mind playing tricks on you or something real. Well, you know, I I've experienced like. Like the déjà means already and vu means seen. So something that's already seen before. I've heard one theory that uh, with neurology, there are the 
there's the, the cell body, and then there are these synapses that connect the cell to the cell. And you know, our body you know, has the electrical currents that are firing. So let's suppose right now, you know, you're sitting in real time, I'm in real time, I'm aware that it's the present, it's the present, it's the present, it's the present. And when this episode's over, we push stop and it's still the present. But let's suppose there's a misfire on the synapse and all of a sudden you start talking about a basement that you were in once and how it was snowing outside. And I have this flash that happened to me once because I used to live in Virginia and the, it, we, we had this basement. It was snowing outside and my father told us not to go outside. And like, so I'm, what I'm saying is the nerves, the nerve fires across the synapse incorrectly, or maybe it actually happened like synchronicity, like all this stuff is, is very mysterious. And so how do you explain deja vu? I'd like to believe that it's a sign that tells you, it's a road sign that tells you you're on the right path. Oh, I like that. I don't that. think That's... it's a mind playing tricks on you, but I think that our universe, our reality is not what we are told of. And uh, as such, uh, I believe that there's something, uh, something from the other, something otherworldly, which in my case, yeah. it's probably the signs. It's probably what? Uh, what was the last? Sign. Signs. Sign. Oh, sign. Yeah, sign. Yeah. Sign. Yeah, I like that I, I, idea. I, I, don't, are... I don't know what I, um, I don't know what the Bible says about it, but. Uh, well, uh, you know, maybe there's it's lots of the markers. Uh, there's maybe, 101 uh, things in the Bible. I'm, there's lots and lots of wisdom books. Uh, but, you know, light and darkness are major themes in the Quran, the Torah, the Old Testament, the New Testament, you know. And, and you know, there's all these stories about going up to the top of the mountain and there being revelation at the top of the mountain or like bright light or a, a, some kind of transcendent ascension. You know, there's the ascension of various physical people who ascend into heaven or into the sky or stuff like that. So, and, you know, when we have these stories of the UFOs and the aliens, there's always some kind of like glow around them, like some bizarro, mysterious glow, and they're kind of coming out of the sky or going into the sky, like, yeah, you know, all, all of that stuff is, is uh, you know, it has a reality to it, just depends on kind of where you are with it. I mean, well, well yeah, you, defi been... you, define, you define reality because there are things or aspects of uh, us, I mean, by us, I mean humans that we can exist out we know like time is linear you said that yourself two days ago so maybe our brain somehow sees things beyond that like you see the picture of a man but he looks ugly for instance but you meet him in the real life and he's somehow you see what he is uh not with your eyes but maybe with your heart or your brain i yeah, don't know maybe yeah. that's what deja vu is it somehow your brain catch up to something in the past or you already seen or maybe which freaks me out there is another theory i think that maybe you've been reborn reincarnation maybe you've uh, lived your life in the wrong way and you've been given a chance chance to fix it and uh, you're living your life but you don't remember it and so maybe 
uh, you have to make different choices in this life. And you see something that you already experienced in past life. Yeah, that's well, interesting. See, for, but, uh, for, for, for me, just living is kind of like reincarnation. Like you and I knew each other last week. We knew each other a month each other a year ago. But today is a new day to get it right. Like we've been given the gift of life. Like some people didn't make it till today. They died in a car accident last night, God forbid, or they had to have an operation and it didn't go so well. So we've been given the gift of life and the day is before us. So we have the opportunity to make choices today. And well, there might be a little flashback like, oh, somebody's coming to visit me. I wonder what we're going to talk about. Maybe I should be a better listener because like last time this person visited, I did all the talking. So I kind of like the idea of reincarnation now. I'm going to get t-shirts made up. We're going to start selling these on Patroma therapy. You think we, it's time maybe we should make it a wrap? Wrapping it up with a t-shirt that says reincarnation now. <laughs> yeah, that uh, sounds like a plan. <laughs> <laughs>